And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves lottery tickets. Hi, folks, and welcome back to our next show. I'm so happy to be doing it. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And I'll tell you what, it's just gorgeous on Milleronia here today. I know, and I've said this before, uh, yes, it's true, I control the weather here. And I have several scientists who don't know that they're really prisoners yet. They stay in the laboratory a lot. They think it's to enjoy their work. But they don't know that if they ever tried to escape, well, it would be a walk up to the volcano. In any case, you know what? It, it does. It makes me so happy. It's a wonderful, beautiful day here. And we don't suffer the prison-like effect of having to worry about what it's going to be in the weather. Is it going to be cold and rainy or freezing and rainy? <laughs> Do I like rain? But you know what? It's just gorgeous here. And that music always takes me away with happiness. That's the Carlos Fogelquist Orchestra and the Melinda Tyler Godwin Dancers featuring boy tenor William Lucking asking the musical question, if the peasants are revolting, should they all get makeovers? Well, you know what? That's a heck of a question, William. And also, it, it starts as, uh, what makes it a great question is, just the beginning, if the peasants are revolting, wow, there's an image not only from movie land and, well, horror movies a lot, but peasants, holy mackerel. And, uh, but should they all get makeovers? I said to the Colonel, Colonel Jeff today, I said, you know, the word makeover sounds like something from England in the 30s. It sounds like, well, we, we, need, we need to get her a makeover, a makeover. But uh, the Colonel thought, and I agreed, that that word is still in use, and it just gives a little, uh, well, a little offbeat, classy sound to the whole thought, not unlike peasants revolting. So, first of all, if the peasants are revolting, should they all get makeovers? And uh, I wanted to know, are these the peasants who are all carrying lit torches to Dr. Frankenstein's castle. So so if if that's the case, it's not the peasants' fault. Hey, they're just marching at night in the rain. And you already know I don't like rain. Plus, isn't it amazing to you that the three assistants in every horror movie for all time, forever, they're always one cruel, ugly old woman, one hunchbacked, assistant the doctor promised to someday help and one really young sexy blonde nurse and yes i was thinking of terry gar in young frankenstein it's a very good movie young frankenstein well with gene wilder and peter boyle who's since passed on and uh what a great cast in that and marty feldman plays the uh, the uh the assistant <laughs> The slightly goofy-eyed assistant, but he's always been great in everything. And Cloris Leachman plays, she is terrific in everything. And uh, she plays the older, and they all have great accents. With the German accent? And they're always speaking, well, too loud. Intentionally, they're doing that on purpose. But boy, oh boy, I don't think you can be Terry Gar in anything, frankly. I uh, I know her and I just I I adore her and uh, she's she's a great actress and great in drama great in comedy and always has been and yes she's unbelievably gorgeous she's oh come on pretty and that's remember the category where you just see her see a picture of her or 
or meet her in person and, and you're just going to say, oh, holy mackerel, come on, come on. And she really is. God bless you, Terry, and good luck. And uh, so in any case, you know, I, I, I don't dislike horror movies. I don't like horror movies today. I don't like to be scared. I never liked being scared. Never liked it as a kid, Don't I, and I don't like it as an adult. But, well, if the peasants are revolting, should they all get makeovers? My answer to that would be, you tell them. I mean, I don't think that's a good group marching with the torches and that the ter- torches are lit and it's 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 raining and it's freezing it's night it's always about 11 at night and uh yeah you go over to that group and just say you know what before you go to the castle everyone step off to the side here and we're going to have hair and makeup take a look at you and uh i'll just i'll just like to inform you that uh if you do say that to them if you do go up and say that to them I believe hair and makeup will have to take a look at you <laughs> and uh, the medic on the set will have to take a look, take a look at you. And, uh, and that medic might just say, uh, I remember one in England, you know, she was just lovely and tough as nails in a good way, knew how to fix anything. And this is someone who had been in the battlefield saying, you know, here, let me just sew that up and pull that thing out. And she would and could. In any case, though, you know what? Uh, I, I'm i just glad if the peasants are revolting, should they all get makeovers? Good question, William Lucking. Good musical question. And uh, should, they all, should they all get makeovers? I don't think so. And not just because I don't think either of us would want to tell them that. But you know what? Good question. But let's leave the peasants with their torches just the way they are. And they can be afraid of Dr. Frankenstein or whoever lives in the castle. But then by the end of the movie, when everything works out, when, you know, hey, makes another Frankenstein monster and it's uh, Elsa Lanchester. That's who it was who played the wife, Mrs. Frankenstein. And uh, boy, oh boy. So thank you, William. But if the peasants are revolting, should they all get makeovers? Briefly, no. And by Amazon. That's right. It's one of still my favorite company in the world because Amazon does three things no other company can do. One, whatever you want, you can ask for. Two, they've got it already there. They have a warehouse that's so big. They they have a Frankenstein's castle times a million. It's just a huge warehouse with everything in it. Everything that's ever been made, everything that's ever been dreamed of. And three, whatever you order, they always send us a percent. That means dough. And that means, that, remember, uh, I've told you also, we did go on our next big fancy fried chicken dinner. And uh, that was just a few weeks ago. That was in the new year. And uh, now we're saving for our next one, our next big Fancy fried chicken dinner with two cocktails, I think, this time beforehand in a separate place. And to do that, to pay for that, so that we can have fun together with me and Colonel Jeff. And, yes, last time we did call Dr. Chris. We talked about it, and we flipped a coin, and we did call Dr. Chris. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again. Sure, he seems like a nice fella, and sure, he seems like a good team member. But remember, he's very deeply involved in those clog dancing lessons up at the University of Solvang. I don't fault him for that. He does what he wants. But we'll see. So we're already saving that. Amazon, what you do is, you know what? You don't. You can go to them. You can call them. You can get right on your computer or you can do the smart thing, which is go to our uh, podcast, Facebook, our what? Website. Right. And by the way, if you, if you think I'm kidding when I do that, I feel sorry for you because I can't quite remember. That's our the website. And that's at, and the name for the website is Larry Miller Podcast. 
mountaintopmix.com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? <laughs> oh, I forgot that's right. Just took the eye of the drummer out. <laughs> so, you know what? And and on our uh, website, holy mackerel, how could I forget it again in 10 seconds? On our website, we have a banner that says Amazon. You click our banner and we'll do the work for you. We'll get up, both Colonel Jeff and I will get up. Uh, we have a little alarm that goes off. Could be the middle of the night. We don't care. It could be 2.45 in the morning. We will get up and come to the studio and we will get you to Amazon. And you can get whatever you want. And we will get whatever we want, which is money. So thanks. And by PayPal. Still the greatest name, PayPal. I love saying that. If you enjoy my show, and why wouldn't you? And you'd like to send us a few bucks to help out, and why wouldn't you? You can do it through PayPal. And my way is always... a. Uh, it's our way here. Instead of saying donate or pay what you like or a lot of those phrases we all know, oh, join the silver group, you know, whatever whatever we all know. Just, I always like to say, buy us some drinks. That can be the category. And there are, very, there are different levels of drinking, levels one through five, all the way up to... We're driving to Florida! <laughs> <laughs> I get a big smile out of that. A good smile, too. It's wonderful writing comedy, and it's wonderful performing it and making it into good pieces, whether they're just a minute long or 40 minutes long. It's wonderful, and I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm uh, very lucky, very blessed to have that touch to want to do it. So that one made me feel good to remember. You know what? It's great. I've said this many times over the years to other comics, other people who don't quite know what stand-up is or what comedy is, and I always say, you know what? It's wonderful being in that room on that stage. It really is. And I love theaters, maybe most of all. It's uh, I've worked many, many nightclubs, and I, and I love them. But theaters are just made for it. They just have a nice setting, could be a newer theater with just four walls and lots of seats and a thousand or two thousand or three thousand seats. But you know what? Uh, the older ones that are kept so well, America and Canada have so many, well, I'm sure all over the world too, but so many theaters that the local communities keep going and they fix them up and they make collections and they give their own money. And they give their own time to help. And that's what I felt like just hearing that crowd laugh and cheer. And that one guy go, yes. <laughs> that's a fellow who's, uh, who's driven to Florida. I think he's been on that trip. In any case, uh, look for the PayPal banner on our website, too, at LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. <laughs> it's not often you get to hear a recording of a tenor saxophone honking, saying, get out of the way to a trombone. <laughs> and by me, by my book, Spoiled Rotten America, and that is now for sale at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. It's uh, at a bargain price, less than the cover price. And I'm, I'm happy about that book, too. I'm very proud of it. I, uh, I worked hard on it, and I think you'll love it. Go, go you know, get my book at store.comedyfilmnerds.com. I've, I've had a little kerfluffle there because I couldn't remember that either. I don't think I'm this stupid. I just I just wind up being that way a lot of times. <laughs> that uh, that's right. And to order my book, I just my book. How do I order the book? <laughs> In any case, thank you very much, and I hope you like the book. In fact, I hope you love it. And uh, you know what? 
That brings us to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. This is a good joke. Colonel Jeff and I liked it. And uh, he said to me before he read it to me, before he told it to me, he said, uh, this is a short one, but I think it's a good one. And I think you will, too. There's a woman in her house. Uh, oh, a 50, 60 year old woman. And in the middle of the day, the phone rings. She says, uh, picks it up and says, hello. And uh, the voice on the other end of the phone says, uh, Mother, listen, don't don't be sad. Don't get worried. I just wanted to let you know I'm at the hospital now. And she says to him, Robert, you've been a doctor for eight years now. Please stop starting every phone call by saying that. I was, and then I imagine her saying, I don't call you from bars. In any case, that's a pretty good job. And her son's her son may not be the kind of doctor you'd like looking at the spleen or anything else, but he's playful. That counts. Maybe not to mom at this point. But that was our joke of the week, and that brings me to the second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. That's a that's a nice uh, group there. The string quartet sounds like, and uh, yes, this is a very nice poem called "Inneskeen Road," July evening. It's written by Patrick Kavanaugh, and perhaps from Patrick's name and the name of the poem, you can guess. Are they Irish? It's it wouldn't be a, a <laughs> too big a leap to guess that. I did. I said to Colonel Jeff, is this a whole Irish thing? All right, fine. Patrick Cavanaugh was, uh, lived from 1904 to 1967. And he wrote this one, and I think you're going to like it. In Road, July evening. The bicycles go by in twos and threes. There's a dance in Billy Brennan's barn tonight. And there's the half-talk code of mysteries and the wink-and-elbow language of delight. Half-past eight, and there is not a spot upon a mile of road, no shadow thrown, that might turn out a man or woman, not a footfall tapping secrecies of stone. I have what every poet hates in spite of all the solemn talk of contemplation. Oh, Alexander Selkirk knew the plight of being king and government and nation. A road, a mile of kingdom, I am king of banks and stones and every blooming thing. Good. Isn't that nice, by the way? A great way to look at, well, Inneskeen Road on a July evening. And the road is saying, I am king of banks and stones and every blooming thing. And uh, so thank you, Patrick. That, I'm glad you wrote that. Patrick was good with words. And by the way, he uh, early on, for interest's sake, in Ireland, from the country of Ireland, the country area, not from bigger cities, he wrote poems, published them in a newspaper, and he had a brother who was a teacher in Dublin. And the brother convinced him to come to Dublin to establish himself and, and succeed mightily. Writers in Dublin didn't take him seriously. They thought he was a country farmer. In the 50s, he and his brother Pete published a weekly newspaper called Kavanaugh's Weekly. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show... M-M-M Triple M Magic Movie Moment With the greatest piano note at the end Well, this is a good one Gee, it, it, it makes me feel great to talk about this movie 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, from 1971, directed by Mel Stewart, and what a cast, starring Gene Wilder, Jack Albertson, and many others. That's the only way to put it. This is a lot of folks who were terrific in their parts, really good actors and actresses, but not necessarily people you'd know of. But, well, you would if you saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I know it was remade recently, last year. Was it a year or two ago? Or three years ago, something like that, uh, with Johnny Depp, who's great in everything. And the movie was remade. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll, I'll run into it. I don't know about you guys. But I still think it's hard to budge me once I know something already exists. I mean... Uh, Billy Bob Thornton and uh, well, great cast. What a wonderful cast! Like Andy Garcia, so many, so many great actors and actresses uh, remade the Alamo, and I still think they called it the Alamo. It's a very good movie. Oh, Dennis Quaid is in that too. There's so many good actors, and you know what? Uh, I I I liked it a lot, but to me, the Alamo still means the John Wayne Alamo. And with that great cast, and John Wayne directed that movie, by the way. And uh, as I've told you already, as we're telling again, when they let the wives out with their children after they've killed them all, after the Alamo becomes the Alamo, and uh, General Santa Ana decides to let those wives walk out, they walk by the troops, and leading them is, oh golly, what was it? Peggy O'Brien or something like that, or Carol O'Brien. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. She's wonderful, and she's gorgeous. And that has a point in that movie, because at the very end, she walks by. Good Lord, she's 5'10", and has one of those pioneer skirts that goes right down to the ground, and a big fluffy blouse. And there's a reason it's fluffy. But I'm telling you, even as a kid, when she walked by, walked out proudly and walked by. And uh, the soldiers, the Mexican army had to be thinking, you know, hey, she's 5'10", we're 4'10", why why is this happening? So we have no shot at her. And I always wanted to say, you know what? No, you don't. We're going to keep making those for another few hundred years. Going to knock them out like cookies. And uh, let's, you, you do what you can do, and we'll do what we can do. All right, but I think for today, the point is made. However, <laughs> in any case, boy, oh boy, uh, I, think it's, I think it's great that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory just, whew, boy, starring Gene Wilder, Jack Albertson, and many, many others, here's the magic movie moment for today. In that great movie... It comes to the point where, remember, there were there were five children who had to get those golden tickets in the chocolate bars just to be invited. There were going to be five of them to be invited into the chocolate factory, into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, and they were going to have a competition, and the winner of the competition was going to get chocolate bars for life. And by the end of it, Charlie... I think his name is Peter Ostrom, by the way. I, I, I can't quite remember the actor there. But he was wonderful. And Charlie and Grandpa Joe, played by Jack Albertson, are, well, they're the only ones left. Everyone else has been tossed out. All the other competitors have been found out, dug up, and tossed out. They've lost. And, well, we think that, well, Charlie... And his grandpa, Joe, are going to win. They're going to win the chocolate bars. And then suddenly in this scene, Willy Wonka, played by a great Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka starts getting mad at them. He sits them down and he just says, I don't know what you think is going on here, but you just failed completely because you, number one, stole one of my liquid formulas just so you could drink it without my permission and then float up to the top. And he's getting madder and madder at them. But it hurts us. It hurts us watching. Not just Charlie and Grandpa Joe to hear it flung at them. And, and well, he, 
they got the gobstopper, the famous candy. That they, they, they have the gobstopper, and Willy Wonka just says to them, "Well, well, all right, go ahead. You can you can steal it. You can give it to Slugworth." That's one of the ideas, and even Grandpa Joe says, you know, why don't we just give it to Slugworth? He was the enemy of the rifle factory that was going to put Willy Wonka out of business. And uh, and they and they were just going to get rich from that. He they thought, thought Slugworth would make them rich. But Charlie rises to the occasion, and in good acting and good directing, he doesn't do that. He stands up and hands it back to Willie. And apologizes for what they did. He said it was so good to be part of this. And he doesn't want anything in return. And when that happens, folks, that's the magic movie moment. Because then Willie changes back to the Willie we love. He was just conning them. He was just trying to make them fail. And it turns out we find, oh, Slugworth is one of his employees and he's anyway. But Willie, with his big smile, tells them what they're getting, and he puts them into the rocket with him and gives them the tour of the city and the area and the factory, and the rocket takes off slowly, and that's when he tells them also they didn't just win chocolate bars for the rest of their lives. They won the whole factory. Charlie now gets the whole factory. It's a terrific movie. I like its simplicity in so many ways. Even as a kid, I used to love... You can see that some of the factory rooms were painted over. That is, they have corners. It was part of a studio. You can see the corners and the areas where there used to be bookshelves and they were just painted over. And I like that. I loved it as a kid. I still love it as an adult. It's not, oh, the fanciest thing in the world, but so much the better for them. They made a great story, and they told it well, and they were all so good in it. And so, you know what? That's the triple M to me. And uh, it's more than halfway through January, as you know, and I think all of us can finally agree. Anyone who's still saying Happy New Year is officially a lunatic, okay? Now, I'm, I well, I'm going to leave it at that. There's no need to explain it. You know, if I, I'm sure no, none of you have for a while, but if for some reason you've been saying it, stop now, immediately. You've got to change your behavior in the new year. Perhaps a hobby would help. And uh, let me put it this way. Who needs to hear New Year's? If the Lord himself came down to earth, knocked on your door, and strolled in and sat down in your living room for a little chat, if anything you said to him the whole afternoon included, oh, by the way, Happy New Year. That'll be the last time you see him till Judgment Day, and that will be a short meeting. Now, I'll bet you a dollar you spend eternity in a very hot place that starts with the letter H. And you'll be sitting to some, next to someone you don't like at all. But you know what? There are so many things to enjoy and to love, even though they don't work out the way you wanted. This past weekend back on the mainland, uh, some friends of my wife, Thad and Amanda, got married. And they got married at one of the uh, beaches down near uh, us in Southern California. And it's always interesting to hear those, those the beautiful beaches, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, and uh, many others. But it's, it's funny to think of... Uh, my friend Mike Lacey, who owns the Comedy and Magic Club, had a very tough upbringing and with very little money, really. They were very poor, and uh, it it affected his life a lot. He's one of the greatest guys in the world, but, you know, it it, I, it always struck me that every time he say, where you, someone says, where are you from? Oh, Hermosa Beach. Just by hearing the word beach, it's hard to imagine that having big gang territory, you know, and... Uh, and it, it just doesn't sound right for it. But we went down to this hotel. My wife, God bless her, just had uh, her first week directing on her television show that she's a writer-producer. 
And she knows everything, and I'm not just saying that. She knows every inch of every stage. She's doing great. And she got her first official directing job on that show. And she did a great job. And as the director in TV, boy, you have to be, you're up at six and you're home at nine at night or later sometimes. So those are, those are beefy days. You come home pretty tired. And well, she, she did just great. And she wanted this, uh, Thad and Amanda's wedding was the Saturday at the beach at a very nice hotel right after she finished directing, which was Friday night, late she got home. And she had arranged this for us to get a room at the hotel. Now, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a Four Seasons hotel. It wasn't fancy in that way, but it was better than that in a way. It was right on the water, right on the beach there in Southern California. And uh, I keep saying beach. It's not officially like a, it's more boats than beach. What do I know about this? But you, you go by, you pull in, and they have boats tied up, and they're all sailboats and yacht boats. That's as that's as technical as I can get. They're all tied up, and then you go down sort of, as my wife called it, the longest driveway in the world. That is a stone wall bordering it off, and that's how the boats get out at five knots, I suppose, or whatever it is they, they drive, to get around the stone wall, and out into the ocean, out into the Pacific Ocean. And there are seagulls that really crack and quack and, you know, that's, uh, which, by the way, doesn't appeal to me, but that's all right. She got us a suite, a room right on the ocean there, right next to the boats. And there are a lot of them. And right next to where... The seagulls are, and they come by, and they sit down, and they rah, 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 rah. Plus, I didn't even know that night they were making some wild sounds. I mean, they sounded like barking sounds in a way. I don't mean like dog barking, but kind of a rah, rah, rah. And it turns out I finally you know, asked her the next day, what were those things barking like that? Are those seagulls too? And I didn't even know till she told me this is seal territory and sea lions they're all over the place and they have a little little raft near the stone wall there where they they all congregate and those are the sounds they make once again not a great sound for me that uh gee can we tell them to stop so i can watch red dawn and go to sleep and the answer to that is <laughs> okay you tell them it's like tell the peasants with the torches no, you tell them. So, you know what, though? Here's the thing. We got to the hotel, and so the wedding was at 4, and uh, which is fine. It's a great time to have a wedding. And it was at the hotel there, and uh, my wife called the hotel twice, you know, that day to make sure they knew because she had arranged a suite, and there were a couple of other friends of hers from her TV show, and they were going to spend the night there, too, three or four other couples. And uh, so we were going to get there just after three and, well, get to our big fancy suite and listen to the seagulls. And even if we only had a minute or two just to lay ourselves down on, on the bed, just to say, wow, this is a great room, honey. Good work. And congratulations on directing your first episode. And, because she was just looking for a little place to relax for a while. And that's not too much to ask for, really. I mean, we're only going to be there, oh, we're only going to be there about 19, 20 hours. But I think that's a nice thing to want, to say, you know what? We can spend a couple of bucks and get a nice suite and get it on the water and listen to the seagulls and the sea lions and, well, and have room service, as they, as they said in Tombstone. And you know what? We get there about 3 o'clock, a little after 3, and the room wasn't ready. It wasn't made up yet. Their checkout time is noon, and the guy behind the counter, who was not a bad guy, he was 
well, a typical young, well, a blonde uh, Southern Californian uh, clerk. And uh, he said, well, it's not ready yet. Uh, Check-in time is four. And my wife said, the wedding is at four. Now, how does this happen? The, the couple getting married are big customers of yours. They come to your restaurant and bar all the time. They just live two minutes away. And we decided we're going to spend the night there. Where are we going to get dressed and get ready? We wanted our room, with the room that I ordered. And she said again, and he said, well, it's not made up yet. And she said, I called three times specifically to say, please have the suite ready. Because here's when we're coming down and we're, we're guests at the wedding at your hotel. How many weddings do you have at your hotel? Oh, I know. Zero. You have none. And you know this couple because they're here all the time. They're big Anyway, how, how do we get this? It was very annoying. And the clerk couldn't say anything except, well, it's not ready. And she had spoken to her friends. All her friends were in their rooms. All the friends who had also gotten rooms for the night were already in their rooms. Their rooms were ready. Well, why couldn't ours be ready? And and he said, well, you know what? I'll put you in a first floor room to get dressed for the wedding. Now, this is all, it's just starting to, well, unravel here. And she, she, was, she was right. And we were right to say, come on. No one ever complains. I don't know how you are, but I'm sure you're the same as I am. That I don't complain about anything except... Gee, could we have the room ready? And since we kept calling, can it be ready now? Can't we just go to the room? Why do we have to? He said, you'll leave your things in the first floor room, and then we'll move that now right off the bat. Well, she doesn't want to do that. She doesn't want to leave her wallet and the big clunky day purse. She got a, She had a kind of a fancy sequin little purse to go with the wedding clothes. And... It's, so we did. We went to that first floor room, and she was mad. She was just, she was, you know, upset. She she was moved inside. She was almost, she was, you know, just saying, I just wanted to relax. Why can't we have this? Just, and a place to go to. And I said, you know, there's nothing to say to someone like that at that point. I said, you know what? I'll I'll get it as soon as, right after the wedding. And we did. We walked to the wedding. We left everything downstairs in the first floor regular room. And then we went to the wedding, which was about 100, 200 feet away. It's at the hotel. It's on the hotel. And we went to the wedding. That's very nice. And then uh, we shook hands with everybody and said, hi, good to see you. And then I walked her to back towards the regular uh, building of the hotel because uh, just across the valet parking lot was where cocktails and appetizers are which is a good section of any hotel. I don't know about you, but I think, wow, that's that's pretty good. So what's in this area? Cocktails and appetizers. We're going there. Let's go there. If we have to miss the wedding, we're still going right here. But at any rate, I dropped uh, my wife off, and she was, well, with other folks that she knew from the network, and, and uh, so we all said hello, and I just said, you know what, I'll go and check on the, the room. So I, I walked back to the main room there in the hotel and uh, the same guy gave me the keys and I went upstairs to the third floor and just looked and checked in the bag they had moved the bags up there okay and you know which is fine so I you know I did something crazy I don't know why I I was just alone there and I was starting to relax so I took one of those little cans of cashews out of the pantry case they have there and I opened those and I never even looked at the price because those are always, you know, you get a little can. It's not a big can. It's not a big jar. It's not a big anything. But a little can of cashews, is those have got to be like $27, $37, just something idiotic. But I went back and then we went to the, uh, I just had a club soda and lime and a couple of their hors d'oeuvres. And we were talking with, uh, well... Her boss on the show, the showrunner, and uh, Rob, and uh, he's a great guy. And uh, so, at any rate, we went to the. Then we walked back to where the wedding was, which is where dinner is. 
And we had a very nice dinner. And uh, my wife and I danced several times until they played really loud, horrible, fast music. You know, the weddings, I don't know if you notice. I'm sure you have. They have a couple of songs that sound terrific. They're because they're from the 50s and 60s. They're just, well, slow songs. So you dance. Oh, that's awfully nice. And uh, then they play a very bad version of, well, Shake It Up Baby. But the point is, that's fine. That's all fine. I had a good time with her and she had a good time with me. And, uh, you know, uh, around 9.30, remember the wedding was at 4, so around 9.30 or, or 10, I had about had it. You know you've had it at an affair, a wedding, or any kind of bar mitzvah, anything like that. You know you've about put in enough time when everyone there starts looking ugly to you. You know what I mean? And I mean, the same people were smiling. They were smiling at you. You were smiling at them at the beginning of the whole thing. Now you look at them and they look at you. I'm sure they think of the same thing. I got to get away from this guy. And so, you know what? I, I My wife said, you know, do that. Go up to the room and just relax there. And, you, uh, you know, get get into your pajamas. Hey, take a shower, relax, and turn on Red Dawn or whatever's on there. And she said, I'll be up in an hour or two. And she did. She came up in an hour or two, a couple of hours. And she was... Uh, really hungry again. Uh, she wanted to get some Domino's pizza and the, the hotel gave her the number called this. But you know what? Then they didn't tell you call Domino's that we don't deliver to that hotel. Why? Isn't it like the best place around here? Could you? And uh, they said, uh, well, no, you know what? But there's another place that's not too far away and they'll deliver. You mean another place just like you? But we did that. She ordered a pizza and they got they got to our room, and uh, I didn't feel like having any. I was happy in bed. I had taken a shower, and I was in my fancy Hugh Hefner pajamas. If I had a little more time, I would have drawn in a fake mustache to go with the champagne bucket. At any rate, though, you know what? There were several other things. This is not about how bad this was. We had a good night's sleep in their bed. It was a good bed, too. And the next day, we woke up, not late, we woke up, oh, about 8 or 8.30, and uh, I ordered us some breakfast, and we got ourselves, same thing, showered up, and they had a big bathtub, too, with uh, four legs on it, four monkey paws, or whatever they have. I don't know why they always have to do paws on a bathtub, but they did. And she wanted to take a nice bath, and we had a good breakfast. And I guess the theme of this is, you know what? Sometimes you want things you just don't get. And she was sad and upset. She just wanted to, after putting in, well, such a rugged week directing, and it was a, you know, a great thing that she was thrilled to get. Well, she wanted to relax. And I thought I had a good way for her to relax because we just had a big lottery here in California, a Powerball lottery. And there are some states, a bunch of states, that also have that. They were in on it, too. And the, the reason this one was fairly known to all people, I don't get, I'm not a big lottery ticket getter. I don't, well, ever get them. And, and that's fine with me. I just don't, I just don't uh, care to. But this one was well known to everyone. Everyone here knew it because the prize was the biggest ever. It was $1.5 billion. That was a B. Billion. And it wound up being 1.6, actually. $1.6 billion. And let's just think about that number for a second because it's a lot. As you know, it's a, that's a lot of money. Now, if you say, well, winning a million would be great. Well, hey, sure. And uh, winning three or four million would be fantastic. Sure. Yeah. And uh, good luck. I hope you win. But 1.6 billion. That's a lot. That's a thousand. That's 1,500 millions. Well, it's 1,600, but it's, 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 it's a ton of money. And, you know, uh, the point is I got the tickets. I got online. I don't know if you've ever done this at our 7-Eleven. 
not just at ours, but at a 7-Eleven. You go there on the night it's being drawn. And uh, I was there about 5 o'clock and 5.30, where it's already dark now, of course. And uh, you know what? There was a line around the whole 7-Eleven inside. It went out to the door. And you know what, folks? I smiled at the people waiting, and they smiled at me. And this is the point of this. It unites us all in a very rare way as Americans. They're getting a lottery ticket, too, and so am I. And we might just take a picture of them, by the way, not to prove I got it, but to say, how do you like that? Once you get a ticket, we didn't win. And uh, by the way, the guy at the counter was uh, was very nice. They were getting everyone out, and they made two lines, people who were just there to get milk or an apple. And I did want to say to these folks, by the way, once you come on a night when the lottery is $1.6 billion, how do you not get a ticket? Now, I don't I don't know what what the line is that these folks didn't want to cross, but, well, if you're going to spend $19 or $25 on a couple of little items for your refrigerator, that's fine. It's great. It's a 7-Eleven. But don't you also just say, oh, by the way, give me a ticket. Why not? I mean, you might as well and be part of what everyone is sharing there. And, you know, I didn't win, but I was glad to be on that line. And I said to the clerk as I got up there, I said, he, you know, he, pow- he powered through. I got four of them, one for our, one each for our kids, one for my wife, one for me. And I said to him, well, so that's it. I mean, this could win. I could win with this. And he said to me, uh, sir, in two days you will be a millionaire. And I laughed, he laughed, and that was very nice. And I just said, uh, you know what? If I do, if I win this thing, I'm going to come back here and buy everyone a Slurpee or whatever it is, a smoothie or whatever the heck it is. And uh, and he smiled too. And that was a nice moment too. My dad, God bless him, was the most wonderful, generous guy in the world. But he never bought a lottery ticket. We grew up on Long Island. That's where our house was. And when lottery tickets really started to, well, the New York State Lottery, the National Lottery, the whatever they're called, he never bought one. And my sister and I, when we were kids, 9, 10, 12 years old, and you know what? It just flipped us out that he never bought a ticket. And he, was, he wasn't angry about it. He wasn't cranky about it. He just said, well, he's not a gambler. And he just he didn't feel like uh, participating in this way to give them money. And uh, we just, we couldn't believe it because we were kids. And one uh, day, one Sunday afternoon, we were driving into Brooklyn, my mom and dad and my sister and me, and we were driving into Brooklyn to see my grandparents, my mom's parents. This was in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And uh, then, you know what? It was, and it was always a nice trip. And my mom had loaded some things she had made into the trunk. And we stopped at a candy store. I think Marty's Marty's Candy Store, it was called. It Just before crossing the line uh, from Nassau County into Queens County, before then getting into Brooklyn. But at any rate, uh, my dad wanted to stop in at Marty's to get something, just pick something up. I can't remember what it was. And my sister and I went with him. And as soon as we got in, we saw all the signs, you know, all the lottery ticket signs on the counter there and get the lottery ticket and do this and this. And my sister and I, well, we were just, our eyes were blinking a mile a minute. We just said, Dad, get a ticket. Just just for once, get a, get a, get a ticket, get a lottery ticket. And he finally said, well, you know, with a smile, with a laugh, he said, okay. And uh, Marty was behind the counter there. And he knew my dad and... Uh, my dad said, sure, Marty, give me a ticket, please. And Marty almost flipped out just like us. We couldn't believe he was doing it. And he got the ticket. He got a ticket. It was a dollar, and uh, he got a ticket. And you scratched it off there. You did it there. You knew right there. And you get a penny from Marty or from the little case there that has pennies in case you needed extra tax. And so he took one of Marty's pennies and he scratched it off, and you know what? He won. He won. Well, it wasn't $1.6 billion, 
It was a dollar. He won a dollar. And we just almost fainted. We flipped out so much. You won. I can't believe it, Daddy. You you, you played it and see, and you, you won. He won a dollar. And uh, he was glad we were happy. And then he said he asked Marty for the dollar, and Marty gave it to him and uh, said, uh, Marty held out another ticket and said, all right, you ready for the next one? And my dad said, what do you mean am I ready? And Marty said, well, everyone always buys another one. When they win a dollar, you won a dollar. So why don't you get the next one? And my dad, who once again is very generous, you know, very loving guy, but he couldn't understand that. He didn't want it in the first place. He just said, no, I want a dollar. I'll take the dollar. And Marty looked at him the way my sister and I looked at him. We, the three of us, couldn't believe it. Marty just stammered for a second and said, no one does that. No one had ever done that in his store, had just won a dollar and taken the dollar. Well, he had just met my dad, and my dad said, no, you know what? And he said, turned to us and he said, I thought you'd be happy for the ride to Brooklyn. I, you know, I thought I'd get a ticket and you'd, you could finally say, hey, dad got a ticket. Well, I did, and I got a dollar. I won a dollar, so shouldn't we all be happy? And we just looked at him going, we couldn't believe it. We all got back. He kept the dollar. We all got back in the car, and my mom was there uh, with her knitting. She she always used to like to knit, and she's in there in the front seat, and we couldn't believe Mom, you wouldn't believe it, Daddy. You know, God, and he won. He won a dollar, and then he just took the dollar. And my mom was just smiling and shaking her head because what wife doesn't know her husband at that point? You know, and she just said, I could have told you he would have done it that way. I'm astonished he got it in the first place. And then he, my dad said to my mom, he said, well, I thought it would make him happy for the trip, for the ride. And, you know, I don't, I don't need one of these things. And, uh, and we were, uh, my sister and I, on that trip, didn't look out at the windows, didn't look out at hotels or other cars we were passing. We were just staring straight ahead into the seat in front of us. And our eyes were blinking. We just couldn't deal with the fact that my dad never got another ticket. But I'm I'm happy the same way that I got a $1.6 billion try at this thing. Well, we didn't win, but you know what? Like the clerk said to me, you smile and think, well, maybe I will. Maybe I will win. And you know what? When it gets up again to 1.7 billion, 2.2, this is a lot of money. And at that point, I'm sure I'll be online at that at that 7-Eleven again. And I'm sure I'll be smiling with all the people on the line. I know that. But you know what, folks? You and I know a lot of the same things. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's the truest thing I know. Be well and we'll see you here next time.